We live in a world of dynamic cyber threats, but one thing is clear, human behavior is the most vulnerable target for attacks. Welcome to Behave by CyberSafe, the foremost cybersecurity podcast focused on human cyber risk. Organizational awareness is no longer enough, so how will your team stay protected? Be sure to subscribe to Behave on your preferred listening app for cutting edge insights into our evolving industry and stay ahead of the shift to security behaviors and human risk quantification. Enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome back to the Behave podcast. I've now actually lost count of how many episodes uh, we're on, but all I know is I keep getting sent suggestions for really amazing guests and I, of all people, have the pleasure of hosting them, asking them questions about their favourite pizza and getting into some very interesting conversations about security awareness. I'm joined today by uh, Lisa Kubicki at DocuSign, an American company with an HQ in San Francisco that allows organisations to manage electronic agreements. With over 1 million customers in 180 countries, they're kind of a big deal. Lisa lives out in the US and is currently the Director of Trust and Security Training and Awareness. Um, And she comes from a non-technical background, having worked for 20 years in higher education, focusing on people and behaviour change. Lisa has now been at DocuSign for five years and was, in fact, the first person to be hired full time to focus on people, security awareness and training and human risk in the organisation. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ben. I'm thrilled to be here. No, it's great to have you on. And I hope Percy, your dog, is around. As I know on previous calls, he's joined us momentarily before, in, before being banished into another room for barking. <laughs> she is still banished, but she's being quiet and trying to act like she's not a puppy anymore. <laughs> uh, perfect. Perfect. Um, Lisa, thanks for coming on. As per is now um, kind of tradition, uh, the first question is an icebreaker, uh, which I've kind of made a bit of a signature. And I think and on other podcasts, it's now become a thing as well. But um, you're ordering pizza. You can choose only four toppings. What are you having? You know, first off, I have to say, when I was in college, there used to be a secret at our favorite pizza place that if you knew it, you could say it. But if you didn't know it, you obviously couldn't get it. And so double dough, as much as New York people like their thin pizza, I was in upstate New York. I liked lots of dough. And so double dough was the big secret. And so even though that's not a topping, that's like number one. First, you had to ask for double dough. No extra charge, but you got double dough. I don't think they do it anymore, unfortunately. But then my toppings, I am not a meat eater. So they are going to be sun-dried tomatoes and mushrooms and black olives. Oh, I like the combo. I like the combo. I do actually have to ask, though. Is double dough like, I guess, a Chicago like deep dish pizza, or is no? It, it was still around traditional pizza. I think it literally was two crusts. It just was nice and thick and fluffy, but it was around regular pie. But people would argue that the crust almost the worst bit of a pizza. I would disagree because I love dipping it in the sauce. But if it's like double crust, you know, if you make the crust right, if it's a good sourdough crust, it's exquisite. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to try it. Well, when I'm next out in the States, then we're going for pizza. I'm going to have so many people to go for pizza with to try all these different combos. <laughs> um, but in this, but it's, it's, uh, it's good fun. Um, so to begin, I just really want to briefly dive into what you do at DocuSign. How would you describe a, a typical, in inverted commas, day in the position of Director of Trust and Security and Training Awareness? Well, what I do is more exciting than a typical day. Uh, because what I do is all things awareness, behavior, communications, and culture on behalf of the trust and security organization. So 
if we're changing a policy and that needs to be socialized and un- help people understand how things are going to operate differently, you work through me, with me. Uh, the team will work with me. Newsletters that go out, the training that goes out, both mandatory, like required mandatory training on an annual basis for either everybody or for subpopulations, any optional training that perhaps we feel we need to put out that's, you know, maybe driven by pen test results or uh, some kind of new risk or threat that's coming up, any awareness activities like Cybersecurity Awareness Month or guest speakers of some kind, um, internal intranet pages and communications, and I don't know, changing the culture, like making sure our reporting, <clears throat> our reporting is as easy as possible for employees so they don't have to think about how do I tell the security team about this? Where do I go? So simplifying and making sure that everything is streamlined for them so they can get the help they need when they need it and proactively reach out to us instead of reactively saying, oops, I did something. Can you help me? Did I mess up? But on a day-to-day, it's not super sexy, (laughs) you know? Is is it ever? Is it ever? Well, I mean, cybersecurity can be sexy. I've seen that article before. Um, On a day-to-day, it's maybe reviewing training and updating or revising different materials. It's getting communication sent to me, whether it's supposed to be an email or Slack post or our internet page or whatever it may be, and reviewing and editing that to make sure it's on brand and it's the DocuSign style. Some of it's exciting. You know, it's somebody coming to me and saying, Lisa, we've got this issue. What should we do? Should we do training? What should it be? And so helping them work through is it training that's the right thing or is there something else, some other intervention, and then working through that. So I wish it was every day like that. But on Friday, it was distributing challenge coins. And, you know, there's nothing sexy about writing out envelopes <laughs> so you can mail out coins for recognition for doing the right security thing. <laughs> no, and, and but that, that's the kind of the point in, in these roles as well is that you, you just got to roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. There's so many different aspects to it that you've got to just dive headfirst into sometimes and see if it works you talk about these challenge coins they're not a massive thing in the uk um no are they are they still quite big in the us i think among more technical teams and folks and so ours let me get a little shiny sorry ours is about an inch and a half across and it just trust and security at DocuSign. Hey, that's cool. It is a nice thing. And once a month, we have our trust exemplars and send out those coins for people who we catch outside of our team, helping us, supporting us, doing the right thing, getting rid of bugs, whatever it is that their their role or beyond their role is, and calling out security. Oh, God, I love that. And the recognition piece, I've spoken on about it on other podcasts. It's such a massive thing. Such a massive thing. Well, for... A little bit of work, even though it's not necessarily great work, a little bit of work, you get huge culture points, huge culture points. It just makes people feel so good. They're like, oh, security is kind of cool, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a challenge, certainly, a lot of people face, but um, it's that whole kind of a little effort goes quite a long way. You and I had a relatively or similar-ish entry into cyber from a very non-technical perspective. Why do you think that that's been beneficial to your career and probably particularly for this role? Yeah, you know, the biggest part of that for me has been if Lisa doesn't understand it, the masses aren't going to understand it. You know, if if can't get it into human language that Lisa can understand, then sales and HR and legal and finance and 
you know, our non-technical roles aren't going to understand it. And so I think that's worked out really, really well with my team that I have to take in what they're trying to say we need to have happen and why and translate it into that with them, that what's in it for me, for the audience that it's intended so that they'll understand not only why we're doing it from a technical standpoint, but that's the least of their concern. Like they don't care. (laughs) They want to know what is it I have to do and why am I doing this? Why are you making me change the way that I've been operating and has been functioning just fine for me? Um, Because, you know, any change at first may seem very inconvenient and may seem like, well, that's something you need, not me. So go manage it yourself. Yeah. And and I feel like I'd, I'd love to, to hear your opinion on this. Sometimes that translator skill is is slightly overlooked. Mm-hmm. I think so. Do you feel the same? It was a big deal, my understanding, at DocuSign when they decided to get an FTE for this role. There was lots of arguments before they even posted it of whether they get somebody with a strict cyber background so that the person came in knowing that part of the business or why don't we get someone with a people background? And try that. (laughs) And that one, and that one for me, but I think it has made a big difference. I'd like to say that I've made a big difference in the culture of security at DocuSign, that it's not necessarily the looked past, oh, I assume there's a team that takes care of that kind of thing, but that we all embrace at least some element of, well, yeah, that's my job too, and has some responsibility for it. Yeah, I think there's also, I remember at Dyson as well, there was a, when I was speaking to people, they were going, oh, there's someone who actually does, who deals with that, that they don't, I guess because we always, well, certainly I sometimes do get wrapped in the fact that I work in this industry, but I don't think about, okay, actually in a finance world or in a sales world or in a marketing world, they're not actually thinking about this, but their interaction with you is almost so more important than interactions with any other part of the business because they don't necessarily know who's there and and who's actually doing these types of things that will help them ultimately which is which is super cool i think the good news for me as well is that having been here now for five years it's not as much a surprise that there's somebody that does this it's oh you're the one i keep hearing about the security thing from the day i started you're the one that's behind it huh and i'm like yep that's me No, it's good to it's good to get recognised. But then also they're putting a face to a name, and they know it's yeah, it's um, and that's a lot of the time when we're advising people or kind of consulting people, I guess, from a cyber safe perspective, um, talking to them about how to to run their internal program and kind of like best practice and advice that they're also hearing from other people in the community as well. It's that getting out there into the business and speaking to the right people, speaking to team heads and speaking to big execs and whoever they are, just so they've got, they're putting a face to their name and they understand, okay, actually, yeah, you are the person. Because it, it might be a five minute conversation in the cafe that you see them and they're like, oh, hey, like, and how's this going? Or, and then you can say, oh, actually, we've got this coming up and then, like, okay, I'll remind my team and so on. So it, it is good. I mean, probably trickier to do nowadays with most people working from A little home. bit. Yeah. But we have our ambassadors too. So that's become a norm. And I'm sure not the whole company is aware of the fact that we have trust ambassadors, but we have this global team. And so that I have people throughout the business in all of our organizations and all of our locations who are closer to others on the ground because, yeah, particularly being um, so remote now uh, with the work that I've got people around the globe that then can come to me and say, hey, Lisa, I heard this thing. Um, And yes, when I was in the office, 
I was a safe place to come with what people felt like might be dumb questions because they knew that I wasn't the technical person behind it. I wasn't going to pull up the old SNL skit. Just move. No. Let me reboot your computer for you. That they could come to me and say, is this something I need to be worried about? And I could give them either the reassurance or get them right tagged into who they need to talk to. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, a big piece on, on reputation there as well. Why why do you think it matters that the cybersecurity team has a positive reputation within the business? Oh my gosh, because you never want to only have reactive interactions with people. That those reactive are, you know, begging forgiveness instead of ever asking permission. It's after the fact, it's you know, it's issues that aren't caught right away that then fester and become worse than they would have been if you were alerted. You know, that bystander bias that just not only people assume somebody else reported, but then the reputation is so bad. And you're like, not it. I'm not the one talking to them. No way. Unapproachable, angry. They just tell me no. They yell at me, whatever the reputation is. You don't want that for your team when you need, you have to rely on the humans to be a big part of your security force. It's It can't only be the tools and the technology and the processes in the background. The team can't do it alone. You're never going to have a cyber team that's so resourced and staffed that, you know, essentially you've got your cyber buddy at everybody's table. It's never going to happen. Like a, a cyber godmother, godfather, or fairy godmother, fairy godfather kind of thing. You're never going to have that. And so you need to have each individual employee, your human OS, also be activated. And that also means that they have to know who you are, know how to get to you, and not be afraid of you. Yeah, yeah. And, and reputation plays a big part in that. We had... Um... Maddie Howard on the podcast, um, which was one of the first guests actually talking about actually building up the reputation again within the more technical people and helping them because it's probably just as frustrating for us as it is for them that they're sending emails to people that they think is actually quite digestible, is like friendly, approachable. But actually, when we look at it, we might wince. But actually, giving them the help because actually, if you want people to reply to this or if you want people to respond to this, try this approach and they, 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 they'd love that and she does a lot of work with her teams to do that do you do anything similar or oh constantly they have an email alert that's going to be automated from one of the tools for doing something wrong i i'm the one that will review it and try and soften it a communication about something changing i'm the one that'll help prepare it again it's coming from the well it's coming from me uh, you have to motivate and enable people. So to motivate is you have to get it there with them, what's in it for me. And the enable is you have to keep it super simple. You have to kiss it. So I look at all of those communications, trainings, all of it, and think, okay, if I'm the one that it's targeted at, how do I get inspired by it? So I, I'm actually on board for it. And what did you do to make it simple so I can do this over and over again without being inconvenienced or put out? Yeah, I feel like we're going to have to go into this kiss with them now because we've we've said it a couple of times and people are going to listen to this and be like, what on earth? Yeah, I'm sure well, some I have actually probably people already heard of it. heard it. Yeah, I hope people have heard it before. The with them, I don't even know where it came from. I assume it's probably from marketing, but with them is W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me. And it's always making sure that from the cybersecurity perspective, anything that we put out there, we're thinking about the audience whoever it may be, that they connect to it in a way that's like, oh, that is a benefit to me. Okay, that will make my life easier. Oh, that does simplify things. You need to be able to find the reason they should be inspired and excited about it. 
Because if it's simply we're enabling this technology because it has to da 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 and it's going to provide blah 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 and our data security will be enhanced, people are like, okay, <laughs> I don't really care. That doesn't make my job easier. That doesn't change anything that I have to do. So ignore, you know, what is that swipe, right? <laughs> no, yeah, whatever way it is, way. ignore. And then once you've got them on board with at least a little bit of peaked interest of, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That will help me. That's not ho- hard. It's not horrible. Then you have to kiss it. And traditionally, kiss it means keep it simple, stupid. I don't feel very good about that one. So you could either say, keep it simple, silly, or keep it super simple. And so you just need to make it so easy that anybody can do it. It's, you know, it's one click. It's not memorizing for your team 10 different uh, email addresses. So whether I need to get to SecArch or SecEng or SecOps or incident response, or is it the SOC or is it the DOC? Like, who cares? They don't have to know that. Just make it one email address and make your team figure out how to triage and get it to the right individuals or teams or responsibilities. Make it easy for your your audience so that one click, I can do whatever I need to do. Ask a question, report something, get a security review. Just make it easy. When we come up with these email addresses that are like secops-l215- blah, 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 it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> It may mean something to you, but it means nothing to the people after have to write it. <laughs> yeah, and it's almost like that SecOps team are deliberately making the email address difficult so that people don't get in touch with them yeah. and can't find it. Maybe. No. I mean, smart in some ways. Smart in some ways. Um, Crafty. And it, it, it's, yeah, it's um, it's super interesting. And, and we, I know when we spoke before, you spoke about one of the first things that you did while you were at DocuSign was just condense it. Make it simple, condense it bring it down so that it's easy to find who to speak to about kind of if you have an issue or there is one mailbox or making things a lot simpler around processes and and, um, and so on and policies, um, which is super cool. Yeah. And that's a big part of whenever my team comes to me and says, hey, here's this email or here's this alert or here's this thing that has to go out. I look at where's the call to action. Okay. This is like five steps too much. How can we simplify that? And they're like, well, we really need them to start here and then go there and then click this and adjust that. I'm like, uh, really? Is there any way we can make that? Just do this. Just do this. Yeah, yeah. And then people will find the path of least resistance as well. So if you do make it tricky or hard to do, people will go around it. There's that funny um, the, the image of the gate on a path that has no fence next to it and you've just seen how people have just walked around it and carried on and it's the same of course yeah you know and that plays into reputation if you make it hard then they're going to work actively to go around your team to not talk to your team to not engage with your team to not ask for that permission and to break the rules because you're not speaking to me you're speaking to i don't know who but it doesn't involve me you didn't speak to my with them you didn't make it easy for me so too bad (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing it my yeah, way. And and I know I know that you're you're really big on the whole right, let's strip down the complication and get out of people's way. Do you want to just kind of like speak about that and then dive into it a little bit more in depth? Yeah, you know, and it's hard though, because there's a lot of things about security that are not easy. But I'm on a constant path of 
how do we make this simpler? How do we make this simpler? How do we make this simpler? We just had something go out that they didn't come to me first. And I didn't know anything about it until it launched. And I happened to be one of the recipients based on the thing that they were doing. And when I saw it, I just cringed. I was like, ah, because <laughs> it was using a an app that we don't normally use. And yes, everybody has it, but we don't use it. So nobody's already in that app. So it's one more thing to have to do. And then half their links weren't working because they didn't correctly check them with somebody who wasn't the creator and they hadn't enabled access for everybody. And then it talked about you do it this way, but then there was no example. And so there's just there was just so many things about it. I was like, Ike, this is why you all need to come to me. Not only am I your copy editor to make sure that you don't use an Oxford comma, because we don't, but <laughs> I need I need you to trust me to help you get people to do what you want them to do. And that's the part that appeals to the security team. They're like, oh, you mean more people will do as we say? I'm like, yes. Yes, they will. They will follow your guidelines, follow your directions, change whatever they're supposed to change if you do it in a way that they're going to receive it well. And so I do look at things... Well, we talked about this a little bit. I don't know if this is the right place to put it in, but I try and help my team figure out if it's a will, a skill, or a hill problem. And a will problem means we have to motivate them. So that's where the with them has to come in 100%. They don't want to do it. It's against their mindset of wanting to embrace whatever it is we're trying to do, whether they're actively fighting it or they just, oh, change, no, thank you. If it's a skill problem, then we actually need some kind of training and we'll figure out what that is. But a hill problem happens all the time. And a hill is that obstacle that's so big that somebody has to get it out of their way or break it down into smaller pieces. But a hill is not the employee, the individual that you're asking to do something different. It's not their problem. It's leadership or it's management or it's us as a security team that we've, we've made the opportunity too hard to get to. And we've not created enough prompts, but we need to get that hill out of the way so they can actually do the thing we're asking them to do. And maybe it's maybe it's a case that we as a community look at almost bucketing these things and look at them from examples across the board and different organizations and say, okay, well, these are all the hill problems that you could come up against. These are all the skill problems you could come up against. And these are all the will problems that you could come up against. And 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 then people can just kind of like pick and choose and say, okay, actually, right, I've come up against this issue. How does somebody go about changing it? It, it could be super interesting. It would be exhaustive, though. That list would just keep going on and on because one person's skill is another person's will is a third person's hill. It's not necessarily a one size fits all. That is, you know, if you're trying to do this, you're always going to run into a hill, but could definitely come up with ideas of how to get around yeah. them. No, no, exactly. And I guess this ties into the next question on many of us get into these roles and know that we, we must change something or something needs to change. Like what is the right training, education, awareness to do? Like, how did you go about deciding that for DocuSign? You know, I don't know if I ever figured out the right. I think it's always being topical to what's going on and speaking the language of the person that you're asking to make a change. For some, it's going to be rich in stats and, you know, how often does this happen and how big a problem is this? For others, it's going to be rich in, okay, so just tell me what to do and I'll follow those directions. So it's all over the place. Some people want to learn through humor. Some people want to learn through video. Some people want to learn by reading. Some people want to learn by doing. And so unfortunately, it means that we have to be immersive in all kinds of learning and, you know, blend it and try blend it and offer lots of different ways that people can touch and engage. 
I think having a regular fish simulation and, and even just social engineering simulation program in general that's just constantly running is a really good thing because it's ongoing practice. You got to make sure that the the tone of it is not one of gotcha, made you fail, haha, here's what you did wrong, but instead one of here's what you did right. Look at that. You get award points. We're going to point out and reinforce what you did well. Here you go on the leaderboard. And having that running so that it is truly like practice for, for an athlete. And then there's some research out there from Osterman, which is out of Seattle, that shows that approximately 15 minutes a month is the tipping point at which if you can get employees engaged in 15 months, minutes a month of training or awareness around cybersecurity, it flips the switch for them to feel like I'm personally accountable and part of the security mission of my organization. And so how do you do 15 minutes a month? The least effective would be one 15-minute hit of training every month. The most effective would be a spattering of time. So if you're doing regular fish drills, ours happen to be approximately every 10 days. That's like 45 seconds, three times. Okay, well, that starts to add up. You post something on your internal chat, like a Slack or a Teams or whatever it is you use. People might or might not read it, but it's there and it's available. Somebody maybe is talking about it. Hey, did you see that cartoon that security put on there? That was pretty funny. But then it gets to the point of DLP or something like that. It's videos, it's training, it's speakers, it's announcements, it's the recognition program that we do every month. It's all these things that are constantly, oh yeah, there's security again, there's security again, there's security again, but in different ways so that you get people engaged in the way that's going to hit them. Um, the best way possible. That drip feeding approach is really interesting. There's um, a lot of research, obviously, on it. I was I was actually going to bring up that Osterman report to to, to <laughs> ask you about it, but the the whole kind of like 15 minutes over different kind of like from different angles is is you're seeing it. We're seeing it so much more now, and kind of whether it's like you say being nudged in Slack and using nudge theory and this whole kind of like explosion of, of nudge theory in the industry to say, hey, you've got a goal to complete that might take you like two and a half minutes and nudging them to say, actually, doing this goal or this um, this small task takes you less time than it takes to make a cup of coffee rather than just saying, right, here's a 15-minute module that you do every month. It, it, yeah, and, and we'll see people doing it in different ways. And we, I think, as an industry, perhaps need to get better at vocalizing or to to an extent sharing how much we are doing and what different things we're doing. I'm hearing some amazing stuff that's happening in the industry, like people running um, phishing campaigns, but for every correct reported phishing uh, email, they, they, the company donates a pound to charity or a dollar to charity. Those kind of things are like, we need to share them because they're amazing and they're just something that's different. Yeah, and there's lots of tools and resources. The biggest challenge is going to be, I'm a team of one. How much more can I take on? How many more things can I do? that are maybe exciting at first, but then become like writing that envelope to send out that coin, you know, administrative tax that still have to get done if you're going to maintain the program, but aren't fun and exciting and just start to build up. So how much run the business is becoming part of the job, but also it's the resources in general. It's not just the people, but it's the money and it's the attention from security teams that the people part should be equally as important as the process and the technology. But if all the money, all the spend goes to the that P&T and not to the people, you're losing out on a major aspect of how to keep the company secure. 
this was uh, my last question, um, and you've actually tied it in really nicely. Why is it when the data and the majority of the data points towards cyber risk sitting with the human aspect or the human element, why is it still seen as a bolt-on? And largely, I would say to an extent, I don't, can't speak for everybody's program, why is it underfunded, undervalued in so many security teams? I think people are squirrely, so it's not as cut and dry as if we put in this tool, it will do these things, and it is shown to reduce risk by this amount in this area. So people are squirrely. You don't have metrics that are that clear, that concise, that you can sell somebody on with a person tool, a people tool. But I also think it has a lot to do with leadership. It's still primarily from the technical side that hasn't yet... I don't want to say embraced. I think they've embraced more of the people, the behavior change element, that psychology side, but it's still not as familiar. It's not as ingrained. And so it's not as well known. And the ones making the decisions about the budget and about the resources and about where to put the energies, they're just not as comfortable. And so we have to spend time getting them more comfortable so that when they're sitting and making their strategy and then where to allocate the funds and the resources and the headcounts, they're, they're already thinking, wait, where's our allocation to people? What are we doing that's going to reinforce that person element? Because if that's our greatest asset to be our human firewall, yes, it's squirrely, so it needs more attention. How do we do that? And so I, I think a lot of it is get them, get the leadership, the CISOs, the, the presidents of technology, et cetera, more comfortable with the psychology of human behavior and understand why the people aspect is an important part that has to be resourced as much or sometimes more because people are squirrely. They're not as easy to patch. <laughs> you can't just push a button. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's a really good point to finish on. I think I've really enjoyed this episode and all the different kind of avenues we, we've dived down. I wish we had a little bit longer to to move into them in even more depth. I'm sure we'll, when I'm out in the States, we'll be able to do that over a pizza Okay. <laughs> Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much for being on today. Um, it, it has really been quite eye-opening, actually. And I'm sure you've shared some really wise little nuggets of, of, of information there. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Ben. I always like to talk about it because as a team of one, I don't have enough people to geek out over my bookshelves and the things that I'm talking about. <laughs> so I love to talk to those who want to hear about it. And so call me. <laughs> No, absolutely. And we have a we have a big audience now of people who do want to listen to this. So I'm sure you'll be flooded with um with, with questions and, and other bits and bobs while um I welcome this, that. this episode's gone out. So no, say hi to uh, Percy from me and um I will do so. That's uh that's it for today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about CyberSafe and a number of other resources, um, even if you want to be on the podcast, uh, head over to www.cybersafe.com. We will see you next time. Bye.